business is changing. Ideas are everywhere. It was never so easy to be successful. What is keeping you from starting your own business, from changing your life? We want to give you the opportunity to listen and learn from real business people. My name is Joe Bronze and this is Lisbon Unlimited. Build a better world by improving yourself. Leave your comfort zone. The discipline and hard work today, they mean growth and happiness tomorrow. Tune in, listen and share. So, um, welcome everyone. This is Lisbon Unlimited. My name is Joe Bronze. Today we have a guest from the APAC region. I'm really excited because Farad Sba, he works there and he is a completely um, freak about videos. He has a huge page on LinkedIn where he posts videos almost daily. He talks about himself. He says that professionally I wear multiple hats. I do in my morning, I do videos. In, during the day, I create product roadmaps, measure product performance, align product features. So he has loads of experience in working with companies, uh, for example, like the Ambiva Travel Club, Versa Fleet, Housing and Development Board, and others. And he has amassed a great um, deal of experience doing product, product, product management, also creating content for, for social media and for other types of businesses. So, well, Farah, thank you so much for being here in Lisbon Unlimited. No worries, pleasure is mine. <laughs> All right, Farah, I'm really curious. How does someone, the APAC region is blowing. Everybody's talking about it. Loads of customers, the industry is growing. Uh, loads of jobs. Everything seems to be blowing on that side of the ocean. So tell us, how is it? How do you end up doing videos and doing so much promotion for for yourself and for your brands? All right, sure. So uh, just to begin with myself, you know, I actually I'm a nerd. So you know, uh, pretty much if you see me, I'm I'm still a nerd. I'm actually doing a lot of coding. And um, if you are going to listen to me talking about nerdy stuff, you know, people wouldn't like to listen to me because. I'm the kind of nerd who loves to code and everything. But then eventually, I actually started doing something which is marketing and designing, and which is where videos capture me, capture me. So I told myself that, you know, I will, I'm a freelancer myself. And when I actually went to freelancing, I wanted to do exactly videos. But then obviously, I need to, I need to create my own portfolio and I need to tell people, hey, you know, Fagaf can do videos right now. So that's exactly what I'm doing right now. So which is why every day, I'm posting daily videos. I'm actually doing like anagrams. So it's like, it's like analogy. So, you know, you're trying to tell a story out of a video. It could be a 10 seconds video, but in using the 10 seconds, I'm actually trying to tell a story. Uh, a moral of the story is like, you know, you need to be doing this. So this is what's happening and you should not be doing this and this will happen. So that's what I'm trying to drive towards. And I'm using my best capability with this videos right now. So yeah, that's how I went to the videos and uh, Gary right. Vee gives my idol, by the way. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, yeah. I listen to him a lot. I, I listen to his podcast daily, uh, on a weekly basis. Um, I listen to him daily, actually. So. And how did he, uh, was he important in a way that you started doing videos and promoting content? 
Um, yeah, for sure. So for me, when I was actually doing digital marketing for my freelance clients, you know, many of them would tell me, hey, Farah, you know, I want to do so much. Um, I want to do something different. I want to do something unique. For example, you know, I, was, uh, I have this client of mine. She was about working with me for about two years. And she told me, hey, Farah, you know, I actually want to do something innovative. You know, we have been doing a lot of SEO, social media marketing and paid advertising and everything. But then she reached out to me and said that, you know, I don't want to be doing the same thing again and again, but I want to be doing right. something different. And which mm -hmm. is where I started that, hey, you know, I knew that video is the option. But then for me, two years back, you know, I was like, one year back, I didn't know how to do videos, trust me. I'm a nerd. So what I did is that I actually downloaded this app from uh, a friend of mine recommended me to download it, Shortcut. And I actually was like, you know, okay, this could be a good tool to use. And I tried to actually capitalize on Shortcut. And uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. And he told me that, you know, if you want to learn Shortcut, you pretty much have to be doing videos on your own. And I was like, I, I have no motivation to do videos. And I was like, you know, I think... 2017, 2018, I was doing, sorry, 2017, I'm doing a lot of podcasts and for myself, I actually lost interest in podcasts myself. So videos was a really bad disaster for me. So which is where I told myself that, okay, you know what? Let's go to pin interest. Let's find a lot of videos. And it's not my videos, by the way. I'm going to be doing video editing. So I'm going to add my own text to it. I'm going to tell people a story out of the video. It could be a 10 seconds video, but then what I'm driving towards is I'm telling people a story, but then I'm actually trying to enrich my video talents over there. So that's how I went to videos right now. So yeah. uh, And how does a person that uh, calls himself a geek and that loves to code ends up doing breaking that barrier? Because you need to like get out of your comfort zone or you need at least to not be afraid of um, people just not liking videos. So how did you ended up breaking that? Yep. Sure. So for me, when I was doing my job, like, you know, 2015, you know, I got my first job as, you know, as a programmer and, um, you know, pretty much as a programmer, many people know that in Asian countries, especially Singapore, you can be working like eight to eight, like, you know, it could be pretty 24 hours kind of, sorry, 12 hours kind of thing. So for me, at the end of the day, I really didn't like to do programming. And my freelance clients were also like, they were asking me to do websites and mobile applications and kind of thing. But then for myself, I was like, I'm enough of mobile applications. So for me, I was like, you know what? I want to do something which I love to do. And I found myself doing uh, graphical design, logo design, and a lot of SEO, digital marketing, growth hacking kind of stuff. And that's when actually I discovered that, you know, let's try videos like you know it could be my favorite thing or maybe I, I would never like it so which is where i went to videos about 2017 podcast and i was like it's not bad but then actually my partner and me we actually decided to go our own way and that's when you know videos was actually kind of disastrous for me and i dropped the interest of having videos at the first place but then 2018 mid of 2018 you know my friend to me edward he actually told me uh, he's an australian by the way mm -hmm. he's a top marketing guy in australia so he told me that, you know, or maybe you can be doing videos on your own, you know, who knows why. So I was like, you know, and Gary Vee is my idol. So I follow him a lot. And, you know, there was one, once he actually said exactly that if you want to find what you love to do, you have to break the barrier. You should stop telling excuses to yourself. And he told, he said right in the face and it actually punched me right in my face. And I was like, okay, I should stop actually giving excuses that people are living. I should be taking ownership for myself and I just punched myself and I did what I have to do. <laughs> so which is where I told myself I'll be doing daily videos. I will never give up. I'll keep doing videos every single day until 
I say give up, which I, I hope not to. So yeah. All right. And how can you? Um, are companies um, hiring your your capacity, or at least are companies reaching out to you? Because I feel that I don't know how it is in Singapore. If people already have woken up, or companies, if industries have already woken up for this reality, but I feel that, for example, here in Europe, people aren't still like kind of. Some companies are doing really good job uh, promoting stuff with videos and TikTok and other social media, but most companies are still sleeping about this. Don't you feel that? Um, for sure, definitely. In Singapore, actually, uh, to be honest, um, I, I'm not sure about uh, I'm not sure about Europe, but in since Asian APEC region, you know, like for example, China, Indonesia, uh, these are two countries because my wife she's Indonesian, so you know, um, Indonesia they actually adapted TikTok for sure. So they're using TikTok as a driving tool, and they're driving the businesses as well. For example, Traveloka is one of them. But in Singapore specifically, we are still conservative. Because Singaporeans, we ourselves, we are actually very conservative. So we are always one level behind anyone right now. So we want others to actually take the, maybe the first uh, leap towards videos or maybe the viral way of marketing. So Singapore is definitely actually uh, laying behind for sure. But of course, one thing is that we are quite conservative, which I think that's one thing for sure. We are very conservative. But then for Indonesia, they're quite liber liberal. So in the sense that they are actually taking chases with TikTok right now. And uh, you know, when my wife was telling me TikTok is booming, you know that? I was like, I know, but you know, I, I don't know. Is TikTok is good medium for me to actually post videos and actually post them on, you know, LinkedIn? I don't think so. I mean, if I were to post a video on, from TikTok on LinkedIn, people would be like, what is Farafa up to? You know, this is so weird. You know, yes, that's what yes. Singapore should be talking about. So mm -hmm. that's what I don't want to get into. So I'm really, um, Paranoid, and you know, I, d I don't want to get into that uh, zone yet right now until mm -hmm. Singapore actually accepts TikTok and they be like, you know what, TikTok is fine, you know. So that's when I will be posting TikTok videos on LinkedIn for now. Uh, maybe I don't want to take chances right now. So yeah. But totally understand that. I've been posting some TikTok videos to LinkedIn and the audience kind of looks at it and I, I do feel that they have mixed feelings. Some guys, <laughs> younger guys, especially they love it. But I can tell that loads of people are, are discomfortable by them. <laughs> Definitely, for sure. It's a different mindset. Like you're trying to add videos of people just laughing or dancing, doing cool stuff. Even if the message is totally business, people are like looking at music. And it's kind of hard for me to, as well to communicate with that. But I've been trying to find a way, but it's not easy. I don't think experts should be doing that because uh, for now, maybe it's not the right time yet. Definitely. But actually, Gary, we kept mentioning about TikTok, which is where I started checking on. I actually downloaded TikTok into my mobile app and I was like, you know what? Gary, we mentioned that. So let me check it out. Mm -hmm. I think it might be a booming thing for sure. So no, I would never say it's a bad thing to actually check out TikTok, but then we just need to know where to market it. Like for example, Instagram, for example. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Got it. Are you also releasing on Instagram or you're focusing on LinkedIn? I know. I am on Instagram as well. All right, because I, I noticed that your videos and all your posts basically on LinkedIn, they are like fire, actually. You have a, the, the fire icon on your name and it's, uh, and it, yeah, and it's, uh, it's, uh, it should be there because your, your posts are always successful. And I want to understand, why LinkedIn? Well, when did you realize that LinkedIn would be a huge boom for business and for uh, even for personal brand growth? Yeah, 
Right. Uh, actually, for me, I got my first job because of LinkedIn, 2015. I should say thanks to LinkedIn for uh, for that getting my first job at Accenture. And my second job is definitely uh, LinkedIn as well. After this, I, I got a chance uh, over there because thanks to Vinod, by the way. You know, I reached out to him and I told him that, you know, I'm doing some content and, you know, we actually kind of network, uh, obviously, on LinkedIn. And that's how I reached out to him. And I told him that, hey, you know, I want a job opportunity. Why don't we have a chat about it? And yeah. So, you know, that's how I've been getting a lot of job leads over there. And not only that, I'm getting a lot of projects and, of course, a lot of freelance projects and, you know, clients, obviously, from LinkedIn. So I saw LinkedIn as like a booming tool for myself. I'm not sure how people visualize it. But for myself, personally speaking, I visualize LinkedIn as a least generation too. Many people mm -hmm. don't appreciate LinkedIn, but then for myself, I appreciate LinkedIn to the max because, you know, LinkedIn is a branding too, obviously, for myself. So for myself, I make sure that the branding is very important. And of course, I leave it out to leads as well. So, you know, the least generation is kind of important to me on LinkedIn. So, yeah. So I actually learned LinkedIn was very important to me at uh, maybe 2013 when Facebook was there. But then, I, I'm not active on Facebook. I'm, I don't really have an account over there anymore. But then I actually have to sacrifice Facebook for LinkedIn because LinkedIn, it was so powerful as compared to Facebook, I should say the way. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I also think that it's there's a huge window of opportunity with LinkedIn at the moment. And um, what I would love to understand is you have, um, you do loads of things. Like you do digital marketing, you do, um, you were a scrum master. What was that? Um, Right, sure. Uh, there's just two things which I do exactly. So I do IT and I do digital marketing. That's the only two things I do. But then in IT, it's very broad. So, you know, people will be like, you know, I understand you're from IT. So what exactly do you do, you do in IT? And I'm like, mm, I do product management. And obviously, I used to be doing programming. But then nowadays, I don't really do programming in my day job. I'm actually doing product management and scrum mastering. But then... Of course, I actually do digital marketing as well. When I actually, in the evenings, of course. So I actually work for clients. So yeah, that's how I actually came about. So yeah. And isn't, aren't those connected? Because the product manager needs to understand where the market is going, right? He needs to understand mm -hmm. what, what the customer uh, wants to buy or what the customer wants to use. Um, so are, are, those are related totally, no? Um, not really, no? uh, actually, actually, not really. So, uh, I mean, uh, partially is correct, but it really depends on company as well. So for myself, digital marketing is like, you know, you need to understand your audience, target audience, and actually market your product to the target audience. But in some companies, you know, product management is like, you know, you do not need to understand the customers. I mean, you need to understand the customer to a certain extent, but you do not need to actually uh, reach out to the customers per se. So for me, I actually saw both as a you know, booming point for myself. So I went a little bit extra and I tried to learn digital marketing so that I could learn my target persona and everything. So this is what I learned for myself. So yeah, most of them are self-taught by the way. Got it. And also, um, you did something in the past called uh, head of partnerships. You were head of partnerships with uh, certain companies. Uh, were you using um, digital, well, not digital marketing, but social media back then to boost that? Or that was uh, when thing, when social social media wasn't even around? Oh yeah, uh, the head of partnership was, uh, that was 2016 to 2017. So um, that was what job cut. It's, uh, it's like uh, Indeed, so it's like, you know, aggregator job aggregator kind of website so when i was working there 
I actually appreciated LinkedIn a lot because, you know, I was using LinkedIn like crazy and I was actually kind of doing partnerships. So, you know, we need to get a lot of partners like, you know, uh, job ready though and most of them actually came over to me as well and I need to reach out to them as well. So for me, LinkedIn was my only primary tool but I can reach out to them and say that, hey, you know, I'm far off, I'm actually coming from JobCraft and do you want to actually do some kind of partnership? But it's not straightforward. So you need to know how to talk to them and different people got different ways of talking and you need to know how to actually hit the, hit the rod when it's hot and everything. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on and most of the time you should not approach them exactly what you want to do. So most of the time you need to actually warm up a little bit. So most of the time it's about building my connection slowly and mm -hmm. I need to make sure punishes is about a very strategical job for myself. So I need to talk to a lot of people and obviously networking is very important, which is where LinkedIn came into me. And I used to network. I'm still networking, by the way. Uh, like, wow, we are talking over here. We are still networking, right? Totally. So I was actually networking with a lot of people and actually that's when I actually grew my contacts and actually put them to hotspot. Hotspot is like a CRM too. And I used it to actually track all my leads which is mm -hmm. my lead that's warm and which is my lead that actually may be really good hot to actually for me to hit the nail. And that's how I actually talk to people and I actually keep track of everyone. And that's how I actually did my partnership job over there at JobCard. But eventually I have to leave. So yeah. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's part of a person's life, right? You work Definitely. there, then you, your life changes. But I Definitely. can see that there's like a unifying uh, role that you had between all of those different jobs your capacity to network, to be proactive, seems to be present there. So maybe those are um, thing, all the necessary items to begin a business, for example, being a freelance. Um, okay, actually for me, uh, many people, many, uh, even uh, my close friend Azlan Gondo, he actually mentioned to me that, you know, for a few of context, why not start a business? And I was like, you know, I actually, I wanted to start a business so badly, but then now it's not a time. So for me, I'm actually growing my contacts, obviously. And, you know, I'm actually trying to do a lot of freelancing and I'm helping a lot of businesses and uh, projects with their freelance uh, work and whatever they need me to. But then as of now, I'm actually helping people. And one day when I'm actually good enough that I'm going to tell myself that I'm very good at one specific skill set, I'll be focusing on that. I'm actually, I'm going to actually do something very serious about it. But now, certainly, um, to answer your question, I could start a business potentially, but maybe not. It really depends. Yeah. From what you're saying, I, I can see that you can totally start a business. You have the right ideas on how or where to sell your items. You have um, ex experience doing uh, digital marketing, which is great and being and doing partnerships, which means that you can, you can sell, you can, well, usually in like 10 years ago, probably that, that would be, the last thing people would do, they would focus on product quality and they would, then they would sell the product. Nowadays, it's kind of like the opposite. Just give people an idea of what they want to buy, see if they're interested, and then you can probably start your product and your, in your company. And you already have that. Like the hardest part is done. You just need to tell the thousands of followers you have on LinkedIn, hey, <laughs> come and buy from me. <laughs> For sure, definitely. But actually, it's not as straightforward as he yeah that's how it looks like so for me i did experiment myself you know speaking of which you know gary used to say that you know if you want to start a business if you really want to be an entrepreneur you have to actually dm a lot of 50 people randomly and tell them hey you know i can do websites for you for free 
And you know, that's how you all begin, right? So I actually, I used to do that, by the way. So I used to actually DM, I knock into a lot of doors on LinkedIn saying, hey, you know, I can do a website for you for free, you know, let me get started. So, you know, it seems actually easy, but you know, for me, when I tried that, it was pretty difficult, but I'm not saying it's not possible. It should be possible. And um, with the right ideas, and I should be able to kick out, kick something off for sure. Right. So yeah. And uh, how is it? Uh, I don't know if you. I uh, I thought that you studied in London, right? Uh, UDF London, based in Singapore. Right. It's oh, a distance but so, it yeah. was in Singapore, right? Definitely. All right, because I, I was I was going to ask you about the idea of uh, because the market is really hot there now, and yeah. I wanted to understand um, if it would be possible to if you could give us an idea on how crazy Singapore is at the moment, like the all the mm -hmm. tech companies there all the market booming, not only Singapore, but the entire APAC. Sure, definitely. So uh, right now, um, you know, Hong Kong is actually having a lot of uh, problems over there for the past six months and more. And uh, because of it, and also coronavirus added to it. So because mm -hmm. of that, you know, Singapore is actually, a lot of tech companies from Hong Kong, they're actually moving to Malaysia, Indonesia, and Singapore as well. So, you know, I'm not sure how it really impacts the job market, but then obviously, you know, um, if those companies are actually moving away from Hong Kong, they would like to actually hire a lot of like new talents, which are mm -hmm. able to work in Singapore. And I think this is how things are moving towards. And a lot of companies in Singapore right now, just to give you some heads up, a lot of banking firms in Singapore, they're hiring like crazy right now. So yeah, the market in Singapore is always in, in really hot demand, just like my name, like the fire over there. So it really is a hot demand right now. And Indonesia, not bad. They're really pretty doing a uh, good job over there, right? Well, Jakarta mm -hmm. especially, mm -hmm. and Malaysia at KL. They are putting. They are pretty doing a good job as well. But in mm -hmm. Singapore, is of course the top leading market uh, as compared to Indonesia and Malaysia right. as well. So banking firms, they are definitely looking at a very good post post. I mean, they are actually going very fast because mm -hmm. of uh, recently Singapore government they declared that so a certain currency could be actually. Allow, potentially allow in Singapore as well. So they actually are going to be regulated in Singapore. For right. the past, I think about three years, it's not really regulated. So most of the companies like Ripple, Ethereum, and Bitcoin are not able to operate in Singapore. Mm -hmm. But then with that new regulation, Singapore will finally allow secure currency as well. I mean, yeah. partially it will be regulated, right? So there's yeah. a lot of job opening in the banking firms and of course the blockchain LNR as well in Singapore. So Singapore is definitely, I mean, if people are looking for jobs, in blockchain and you know banking firms, you can obviously reach out to me and I'll be happy to refer them. So, Great. Yeah. And what does the company need? Just as a last question, because this podcast is really short, is around 30 minutes. Yeah, sure. um, how can we, uh, if a company wants to open an office there or at least win, needs, wants to win in the APAC region, what do they need to do? Because the culture is different, everything is different. So what can they do to be successful there? Yeah, sure. So uh, in order to op open an office in Singapore, I think most of the thing is that, uh, you know, is uh, you just need a Google search. So, you know, Google does have all the information. So you just have to do Google search how to open an office in Singapore. And obviously, in Singapore is going to be very supported because Singapore government uh, is actually supporting a lot of startups. They're giving a lot of, like you know, grants and uh, pretty much a lot of PSG grants and everything. There's a lot of grants over there, by the way, in Singapore. I'm not mm -hmm. sure about other countries, but then in Singapore, they're actually supporting any any startups and any 
small company to go and they have a lot of incubator program in Singapore. You know, for example, the startup I'm working right now, they actually came for an incubator program themselves and they are doing very successful today in Singapore especially. So this is how, you know, I think Singapore is actually supporting a lot of startups and, you know, pretty much Google search actually seeing a lot of information about this, but then Singapore is definitely a very good place to start a startup and financially uh, be financially be financially stable as well, I think. Yeah. All right. So companies like Pytre, for example, we are trying to grow our Asian market. Um, Would Singapore be a good place to be to open an office? Um, I'm not sure whether you saw the news, but then you know CBRE, they actually changed their headquarters in Singapore. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and when I saw that, you know, I was trying to understand more about CBRE. And that's when I actually understood that, hey, you know, Singapore is actually becoming one of the hot market for a lot of companies are actually moving towards Singapore right now. Mm-hmm. Because Singapore is actually one of the countries whereby they can save costs and they can actually government supporting them in terms of financial aid and everything. And of course, Singapore is more stable economy because, you know, most of the time, Singapore economy, many people know that, you know, things doesn't go crazy, things are looking haywire. So, you know, to answer your question, pipe drive definitely is a good move to actually come to Singapore because Singapore, the economy is very stable. It's economically very a viable so yeah oh perfect perfect Faraz thank you so much for this short nice. conversation this podcast is really meant to be like a shot of information for our guests and our sure. listeners and um, we have our details on LinkedIn I'll always and still keep le- be learning from your uh, LinkedIn posts from the way that you do videos I do think that it's really insightful thank you so much for for nice. being here anything else you would like to ask for anyone how can anyone else uh, reach out to you if they need anything from your side um, if people actually need any kind of job opportunity, any kind of like, you know, questions regarding Singapore, you can reach out to me. Definitely, I'll be able to help. Perfect. Thank you so much, Farad, and uh, we'll be in touch. Bye. Sure. See you. Goodbye.